Welcome to episode 26 of season 2, where I talk to experts to help navigate the post-divorce journey. Topic of today's conversation is raising a child with ADHD. And our guest today is Dr. Ali Lankerani, a clinical neuroscientist affectionately known by his patients as Dr. L, the parent whisperer. Dr. L is an internationally published best-selling author, speaker, and coach, and voted twice is one of America's top doctors and ran an award-winning practice where he helped kids with autism spectrum disorders. He currently runs online programs to support parents and their children, encouraging healthy development and growing relationships. He is also the host of the TV channel Role Model Maker, Ideate, Connect, Monetize, Delegate the Rest. Enjoy this conversation with Dr. L. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and downloading a podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. Now be the messenger of hope and share this episode with one of your friends. Welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. I am your host, Irina Shehovtsov, and I am on a mission to empower broken-hearted women to break the chains of the past and move forward boldly into the future. Single Parent Success Stories was created to inspire single parents out there who are struggling to help them realize what is possible. If you'd like to suggest a future topic for the podcast, please fill out feedback form located in episode notes. Hello and welcome to Single Parent Success Stories. Today's guest is Dr. L, or Ali Lankirani. He's a clinical neuroscientist, a TEDx speaker, a best-selling author, an international coach and mentor. He's affectionately known as Dr. L, the parent whisperer. He's on a mission to support, inspire, and empower as many people as possible to step into their tribe and leave a legacy Please help me welcome the founder of Role Model Maker, creator of the Amazing Parents Network, the host of Family Circle, Dr. Ali Lankirani. Thank you, Arina. I'm very glad to be here and very excited. Yes. So please share with us, how did you decide to do what you do today? Well, the story is a long story, of course. It goes all the way back to my childhood growing up in Iran. Um, I grew up during the Iran-Iran-Iran-Iraq revolution and war, uh, basically, and uh, it was a very tense environment. It was one that required uh, people to really uh, be in the top 1% of the academic performers when it came to university entrance exam. Uh, And that would make the difference between you going to the front lines of a war uh, where over a million people died uh, versus going to university and building your career and building your life. So uh, it basically your optimum performance meant the difference between life and death. So that was the environment that I grew up. And of course, 
Uh, I was diagnosed early on. Um, actually, back then, there wasn't a diagnosis for ADHD. So all the teachers, everybody was like, oh, he's really bright, but then he's very mischievous and he doesn't pay attention. <laughs> uh, that was the description that often accompanied me whenever my parents were meeting teachers or anybody else that was tutoring me. Uh, and it was very common. Uh, for me to go through exams and I, the, the instructor knew that I knew the answers because literally I had given presentation on the materials like the week before. Um, but somehow I couldn't get the scores that I needed and that my performance was not reflected in my academic grades. Um, so this was a huge source of stress for my parents. And of course, I'm internalizing it as if there's something wrong with me. The parents are, the teachers are scratching their heads to try to figure out what's going on here. Um, and that was, a, that was basically how I grew up. I could see my sister go out and um, play in the backyard. And I would spend hours on my homework and still had lots of little errors in there. Um, so it was always filled with frustration and just pushing uphill and going against the, the grain, basically, it seemed like. And truly, it's a, <laughs> it's a miracle. I lasted in academia as long as I did, but I did get my postdoctorate in clinical neuroscience. And surprise, surprise, it happened to be in the field of neurodevelopmental disorders, uh, which involve everything from ADD and ADHD to Asperger's, Tourette's, dyslexia, uh, and autism itself. Oh, wow. But so, like yeah. how your child experience kind of <laughs> determined what, what you're going to be doing later on in life. That's incredible. <laughs> so yeah. what, what were some of the challenges? I mean, you touched upon some, but what were some of the challenges you faced being a child with uh, that diagnosis that they didn't even have before? What, what right. were you facing? So aside from the fact that I lost a big part of my childhood uh, to sitting behind desks and taking extra long to finish my homework, uh, there was also filled with uh, difficulty with the bonding because when when your parents are frustrated about your performance, uh, you know you have difficulty because that frustration is kind of in the middle uh, between you and your parents, and they're frustrated at the situation. But as a child, I had difficulty discerning between the two of them. So relationships and socialization was an issue in the process. Um, and also in the process, um, I also saw my grades and that affected my confidence. Um, so, so your confidence, your relationships, some those were some of the challenges that I had. And oftentimes when it comes to the spectrum disorders, one of the things that happens is there's comorbidity factors. There's immune system stuff, gut stuff, um, mobilization and movement stuff. There's these other things. Uh, that are also affected. Now, it's not all bad. There's also some other stuff. Most of these kids have savant skills. I basically play music by ear. I can play the piano, flamenco guitar. Um, I just have a knack for it. I didn't have to take classes to learn to play the way I do. Um, so, so those are some of the pluses. Um, also, there's a creativity, big picture person. So there are pluses, but the challenges are things that, you know, really as a child shapes your personality and, um, you know, uh, can affect your future. Yeah, totally. And I can relate uh, kind of about the savant skills, like overall, yeah, there are some negatives, but there are always also important, like things that you don't even recognize. Uh, like I would look at my daughter's uh, portfolio and she's uh, amazing in science. Right. I don't even know those answers. Yeah, I mean, I have a photographic memory, 
And that that helped me at times and really actually uh, affected me negatively in other times too. People think, oh, photographic memory must be really good. But as a child, you don't know that that's what you have. So you don't exactly know how to utilize it. It just happens that it's handy to you to take pictures of your textbooks instead of trying to memorize the words. And later on, when I was taking my exams, I would remember the page and where in the page it was located as opposed to the actual words, basically. Oh. Um, so that's how I often found things. But at the same time, if there was no picture involved with something, I had a great deal of difficulty remembering things. Uh, so um, anyways, so those would be some of the things. Yeah. So what would you recommend? What were some of the important things when you're raising a child with ADHD? So this is a good question. Uh, and of course, when I was in private practice, for 10 years, I saw like pretty much the same thing. And I'm very passionate about optimizing the kid's potential because you never know. Most of these people that we now call on being on the autism spectrum disorders, uh, they have shaped history. Most of the um, inventions, most of the amazing breakthroughs that we've had in our civilizations come from such individuals, leadership, so on and so forth. So, um, but at the same time, we need to understand that brains develop differently. So when I was growing up, this was called a disorder. Now I hear the word like neurodiversity because different brains develop differently. Mm -hmm. I, at the same time, don't want to make it okay to kind of perpetuate the, the situation. So there are things that we can do to make sure that the brain is as balanced and optimally developing as possible. Uh, so in most of the autism spectrum disorders, one part of the brain uh, is lagging in its development or in its uh, stimulation, and then other parts of the brain end up taking over in order to compensate for it. So if you've heard of terms like play into your strength or uh, address the weaknesses, uh, this is where you know you need to know when to do each of those basically but long before any of this the children especially up to the age of um, like adolescence basically they're extremely neuroplastic you can literally take diagnoses away uh, like off of them uh, you can change personalities and i'm not saying that to shape your child but give them the opportunity to have all parts of their brain as optimally functioning as possible. And what that means is that there's four foundational pieces that you need to have an optimally functioning brain. So before you ask your brain to do something, I tell this to my own kids, if you want your body to do something, first of all, make sure that you take care of your body so that when you ask of it to do something, it can deliver for you, right? So when it comes to the brain, when we're talking about this development, when we're talking about any function in our body, which is controlled by the brain, we need to make sure that it is supported. So support the brain so that it in turn can support you. There are four main categories that you need to address. And I used to do this before I even started therapy uh, in private practice, because if a brain has not been supported and then you ask it to do something it has never done before, or has difficulty doing, it's going to crash. It's not going to give you the desired results, right? So those four things are rest, oxygenation, meaning that you have adequate amount of oxygen coming in, um, you have proper nutrition. And then if you have these three, these are the building blocks, the fuel 
then you have to have proper neural stimulation. And this last one is very important because if you have the top bottom three, the rest, oxygenation, and uh, fuel, nutrition, but then you don't stimulate the brain, the connections that the neurons, the nerve cells make to each other that makes the brain so powerful, the, the neurons don't make those connections. And that is the true power of the human brain. We don't have the biggest brain in nature, but we have a lot of connections. Many different parts of our brains can kind of network together so that they can produce results that are very unique. And you don't see that much of that in other um, species, basically, as a result. So we gain our strength, our creativity, our ability to manipulate our environment through that interaction. And our sociability is kind of like a design of the same thing, basically, how we connect to the outside world, to human beings, to our community, to our causes, same thing. And a person who is very separated from the community has the same issues. They wither away, basically. They're not seen, they're not heard, they're not happy individuals. So it is important for us to stimulate and create that environment within us. And if we can do that, then we can also create that environment in our communities as well. So this is very pervasive, even in our countries and our global politics as well. Uh, so support the brain so that it in turn can go ahead and support you. So that is the starting point for all of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't want to go off, but yeah. Do you have some recommendations, some practical ways on, on uh, how to do that? Absolutely. So one of the things that I usually tell people is that when you talk about let's say for instance, screen time, like, because that's a big issue nowadays, right? So when we talk about screen time, the when somebody needs rest from having their brain work, so whether it is academics, whether it is screen time, anything that's, we call it that kind of neural stimulation, uh, the remedy or the rest for brain activity is physical activity. And the rest for physical activity is sleep and meditation. So oftentimes people are on the screen till it's time for bed and then they'll close it or turn off the TV and they wanna to go to sleep. Your brain is gonna continue functioning. So you need to have some physical activity that allows you to go into rest. Rest needs to be, you need to be able to fall, sleep easily, and then you need to be able to maintain deep rest. So both of these are important and lack of one or the other leads to you waking up tired or basically losing your total sleep hours basically so you need to pay attention to both of those dark room avoid screen time before you go there's many things you can kind of find out about it but rest is very important on that now the other part is oxygenation uh, i think people don't realize this even when you have a cold or if you have anemia or these kind of things all of these affect the oxygen delivery to your brain uh, if you have a sinus congestion or if you're a mouth breather, all of these affect the oxygen delivery to your brain. So the end result is that the parts of your brain that are metabolically most active, namely the ones that are responsible for executive function, focus, coordination, um, you know, coordination of thought or uh, prioritization, all of these end up being affected first. So just like we know, we know for a fact that, you know, if you want to study, you want to do it with a fresh mind. You, you can't study effectively when you have a tired brain, right? So it's not just the fatigue of it. It's that the areas that 
uh, when you can't deliver oxygen anymore, the areas that lose their function first is the areas that are most metabolically active, basically. And you get a lot of your tissue saturation of oxygen, guess what, through rest. So rest and oxygenation almost always go together, basically. It's very important. So making sure you're breathing properly when you sleep, your pillow sizes and things like that can affect it. Your pollutants in your room can affect it, basically. Uh, allergens, things that can irritate your passages. What you eat can also affect your sinuses and the inflammation that is caused there. So these are some of the things that you can think about as far as um, rest and oxygenation. Nutrition, realize that good fats, are essential for not only brain development, but also for uh, the fuel. Your brain runs four times more effectively on fat than it does on carbohydrates. So if your body is used to running on sugar and you have these sugar crashes, you've heard of brain fog, you've heard of the afternoon coffee breaks and the 11 o'clock uh, cravings, these are all signs and symptoms that your brain is not up to the task, that it has not been supported properly nutritionally, basically running your brain on fats and a steady level of blood sugar is very, very important. Um, and uh, just as an example of good fats, avocado oil, olive oil, uh, salmon and fish oils, those would be some of the examples that I would give on that. And then proper neural stimulation comes in the form of movement. We are evolutionally designed to be bipedal, to move on our feet, to be able to coordinate the left and right part of our brains, front and back, via movement being upright in gravity. So we see that in astronauts, that their brains literally shrink from being in outer space uh, because they don't have that movement, despite the exercise and the gym that they do to maintain their muscle mass, they still lose their brain volume because they're not in gravity and it doesn't get as much neural stimulation, even though they're getting muscular stimulation. So very, very important to have physical activity, something as simple as walking or swimming in your daily routine so that you can properly stimulate the brain. And for, for a young person who's learning to crawl or learning to walk, um, you know, these things are essential, uh, not just for the cardiovascular reasons, uh, or for respiratory reasons, but also for proper neural stimulation, connecting the mind and the body together. So that is the basis, the foundation of how to support the brain before you ask it to do something. Totally agree with you. <laughs> and I'm all for uh, the meditation and the nutrition and also the walking, because yes, so true, our bodies were designed to move and in the digital age, we find ourselves more sitting and in front of TVs or screens. And so, so important to stimulate our body like that. And exactly. Totally your, brain, your brain is a reality emulator. So if you are not moving enough, then it starts existing inside of itself, which means it's going to have a distorted image of the reality outside because it's not connected to anything out there. It has to take all the signals from the world and recreate your universe inside your skull. Mm -hmm. There, like it doesn't have connection to the real world. So if you don't give it the proper stimulation from all of your senses, that reality in your that universe is very distorted. Uh, so the decisions that you make in response to your version of reality end up being very different. And this is where a lot of the kids on the spectrum get into trouble because they do things that socially are not acceptable. But to the child, 
that was the total natural reaction to the reality that they have inside their brain. So if you try to correct that with behavioral modifications, all you're gonna do is create anxiety or a sense of depression for not being able to make the right decisions or always making the wrong decisions despite their best effort, which also affects your confidence. So there you go. Right, so, so, so true. Would you say, Heikold, do kids on the spectrum need more structure in their life, more routine, or would you say free-flowing is also? It's a good question. Um, so it, again, goes back to what stage of development they're at. So when we're talking about pre-adolescence, you want to focus on where the areas that they're weak on so that you can support those areas of the brain to kind of rise themselves up. And then once you get into the teenager and the adolescence years, what you want to do is start focusing on what their strengths are. And this gives them a sense of identity, where their body ends, where the universe begins, what they stand for, what they stand against, so that they can stand up to bullies, they can choose their values, so that later on, they can choose a proper career, relationships, all of those things that stem from there. So uh, depends on where it is. Um, also, in the younger kids, when you're looking at it, be cognizant of their abilities. Are they small, detail-oriented people, or are they big-picture people that really get flustered when they have to focus on little minutia? Uh, and depending on which one it is, focus on the other one while they're in their pre-adolescence, and then on the other, on the one that they like when they are in their adolescence and teenage years, basically. Um, so the, when you talk about structure. Again, it depends on that. Some kids, especially creative kids, they thrive in chaos. They thrive in having a disorganized room. They know where everything is. It's just, it's organized in a way different than the organizational person kind of looks at organization, right? So if you move things, they're gonna get upset at you for moving their stuff. They know that you moved it. It's not that it goes unnoticed, they realize that. So it, it's important for you to kind of be able to respect their boundaries and also give them very clear consequences and let them figure out the best way to achieve the, res, uh, the, the goal so that whether they want the consequence or they want to avoid the consequence, uh, they can find their own way in addressing that, but make them responsible for it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, it's so, so important and so true. What kind of advice would you give to single parents who are raising a child? So parenting is difficult as it is. And so I have two advices on this. Uh, the first one is that parenting is hard as it is. And it is very easy to go ahead and say, you know what? here's the laptop or here's the phone or something and I just want to have dinner, whatever it happens to be, right? But always remember that your child in every way is an investment, okay? So the time that you put into convenience comes back with later on you having to pay interest on it, basically. Uh, so, so my recommendation is if you are a young parent, meaning that if, you're in, if you have young kids, Invest your time and your efforts into their development. Do not sacrifice their development for convenience. I know it's easy to say, and I know it is very hard to implement, but just remember that. And then for single parents, it's even more difficult because one of the big things about parenting, you might've heard the adage is say, it takes a village to raise a family. 
and, and now you're a single parent. So that means that your village is even smaller, that your support community is even smaller. So surround yourself with communities, whether it's parenting communities, nannies, um, you know, whatever organizations, even businesses that cater to children. It is important to make sure that your child and yourself have support for all of and any of your needs, basically. Um, so you do not want to be frustrated at the situation because of lack of support or because of personality challenges or whatever it happens to be and throw that at each other. Allow room for both of you to exist. And the way you can do that is number one, focusing on the development. Number two, making sure you have support, invite support into your life. Uh, so the second um, tip that I have uh, is to make sure that you do not give up on your children. All right, different children have different um, developmental patterns, right? They're, when the brain is ready, it switches sides from one side to the other because your brain kind of shifts side. There are times when it's more sociable. There are times when it's more solitary. There are times where it's more detail-oriented. There are times that it's more big picture. There are times where it's more creative. There are times where it's more structural. Uh, and all of this has its pluses and minuses. In our society, unfortunately, we tend to uh, really value the academia and the scholastics a lot. But the art, the beauty, the chaos, um, all of those things are also the creativity. Those are important as well. And we need to give the child enough time to explore that aspect of their personality. And when the brain is ready, it switches to the next phase. Don't, I know that it's a fine line. Don't confuse accommodating for a weakness versus um, giving them time, but all understand that your child has to go through all these phases. Don't be in a rush for them to grow up. Don't be in a rush to get them walking, for instance. You know, children need to be able to hold their head up, need to be able to sit up, need to be able to crawl on all four before they can stand and before they can walk. These developmental milestones are there because it's a signal that your brain is going from one phase to the next and they're all important in the proper development of the brain. So if some of it takes longer, support it so that it can move through that area, but be patient with them. Don't give up on them. I've had, uh, I once saw a letter that a daughter wrote to uh, their mom after when they were coming to therapy and she was saying that thank you for not giving up on me because she was quiet she wouldn't talk and that was a big concern and she's like I was always there inside it's just that I didn't speak but you not giving up on me till I could speak made a world of difference and here I am speaking now thank you for not giving up on me it just brings goosebumps to me every time I share that story uh, but don't give up on your children. They want to please. They want to learn about the universe. And uh, they want to be an effective member of society. Work as a team um, on whatever is the situation. Um, and don't try to do all of it yourself or ask them to do all of it. Work together. Yeah, thank you. So, so important factors and so true. What kind of advice would you give to your younger self, you know, uh, being that you have had your own challenges when you were growing up? So as the advice that I give to myself is the advice that I give to all kids that might be on the spectrum. And that's not just the spectrum, all kids in general. Try to explore 
your loves and your passions. Don't worry too much about what other people say, approve, or disapprove, right? Ultimately, we all love children. We all want to see them healthy, happy, and leading a full life. And we are here to support you so that you in turn can do the same thing for the next generation. But in order for you to do that, you need to know who you are, what you love, what you stand for, and what you stand against. So take time to explore that, have fun and discover that. Thank you. I think that's incredible and so important to, to know who you are. I discovered that later in life, after my breakup, I went on a quest of discovering who I was. Right. And that's the same thing for me. You know, you live by other people's standards because they told you this is really important. And that becomes your top value. But based on what principles, but based on what properties and values, one of my values is freedom. So for me, the idea of being in a private practice 12 hours a day and never being able to leave because I'm always responsible for those patients, that was actually not the best decision for me. I'm not regretful. I learned a lot from it and I'm able to share my message and my expertise with the world now. But that was 10 years of my life that I put into something that went against my values because at some point that was the important thing to do. Mm -hmm. Right? Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you. If people would like to connect with you uh, further, where would they go? Uh, so we have several different ways, probably the Facebook group, uh, Role Model Maker, uh, or our uh, website, RoleModelMaker.com would be one of the areas. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you have a gift from us for the audience members, but I can definitely provide that for you if you want that link. Uh, we could do that as well. And of course, the Amazing Parents Network is where we regularly host uh, other experts and um, people who want to serve families. So we'd love to have you guys there and uh, gain from the knowledge that these experts bring to our community. Thank you so much. And we will include all of the links into episode notes so people can link directly. Thank you for your generous offer of offering us a gift. It's an amazing and was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And uh, I've learned a lot from you today. Thank you. Thank you, Irina. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Cheers. If you like this episode, please share with somebody who would benefit. You can leave comments, topic suggestions, and add your reviews on Apple Podcasts. It also helps greatly when you download the episode. If you feel lost, emotionally hurt after divorce and want to rediscover who you are, you don't have to do it alone. Join our community on Facebook, Limitless Women, Self-Love, Mindset and Support for Relationships, where we hold trainings and various events to help you thrive and become happy again. Because life after divorce is possible and can even be great. If no one told you today, I want you to know that I love you and believe in you because you are limitless.